Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is episode 22 of the Truth About Work podcast, where we talk about work down to the specific situations we run into, sticky situations at work, and also the philosophical, visionary stuff about what work should be like versus what it is like. And we question the design of work that we follow in the West and most of the developed world, if not all of it in, in the 21st century, because it doesn't work well for people. It's weird that we have a hierarchy at work where the customers are on top. Actually, maybe the shareholders are on top and then the customers still have a tremendous amount of sway or so this is what we would take away from the actions of you know corporations and, and their executives. And then the employees have way, way, way less clout, you know, so it's like shareholders on the top, then, then customers, then the corporation itself, then employees way down and then job seekers, like almost not, not there with exceptions, of course, in highly sought after skill sets and that kind of thing. They, they, those guys have a lot of sway. Okay. But in general, there's this hierarchy where the customers are positioned up above in the sky. We have to delight them. We have to go out of our way for them. And that's all great and appropriate. It's, it's fantastic, right? I'm about that completely as a customer. But why employees who actually are the ones doing that and pleasing and delighting customers and serving them, why are they uh, uh, at such a lower tier, especially when they are the same people as the customers, weirdly? And, and that's, I think, the aspirational thing, right? Is that Gee, we would love to buy my company's products. That seems reasonable. I'd like to be able to buy my company's products, right? Within reason, 95% of the time. And that's just not the, the reality. Real wages, even before COVID-19, haven't, haven't grown. And, and, and the relationship, at least here in the United States, between employers and employees is just broken, fundamentally broken, and has been for a long time, uh, because of the existence of employment at will, the doctrine that says, the legal doctrine that says employers in the U.S. can essentially, with some exceptions for uh, collective bargaining agreements and unionized shops and some individual employment agreements that some people, especially executives and highly sought after employees you know negotiate for themselves but apart from that you can just be fired they don't need a reason and so obviously this colors the entire relationship employment relationship and that's why you know when you work in a place that takes great care of you i mean that 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 treats you like a valued professional and and creator of whatever their business or enterprise is then it's a great thing but they're actually fighting a tide then you and them and everybody who works there of the energy that basically emanates from the design of work and the history of work in the United States that is this two-tier system employers up and employees down and and job seekers lower yet scrambling to get even into this system at all so you know we have to see that and we have to see the harm that that mindset uh, and 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 structure create. It's weird, even in companies that put in their job ads and on their website, talent is our greatest asset. We'd be nowhere without our team. They still have the same language in the handbook. You will not be permitted. This is not allowed. What? Where is the disconnect? Where is the disconnect? My background is HR, thousands of years, 
And my thing was, we have an opportunity in our company to create a state, a theatrical experience. I don't mean fake theatrical fake. I mean, lift it up like it's fun. And there's an energy that you feel in a, in a pleasant theatrical experience. It's why we go right to hear if it's a musical, the songs and see the dancing and the incredible acting or to the, or to the movies, same thing to feel lifted up out of, you know, it's a cool thing and it's a good thing. And so that was my, um, mission and charter as an HR leader for myself and for the team and all the managers and employees that we supported was let's everybody lift up this thing together. And the executives, of course, you know, um, figuring stuff out, everybody's looking at them and their interactions, which are insanely important, obviously, in the creating a culture of trust and, you know, everybody supporting that movement, that positive energy, as much as the positive energy of let's grow sales, let's grow, uh, you know, our customer base, let's get out there and be known and let's grow the business both together, uh, in tandem to, you know, completely reinforcing, mutually reinforcing energies and themes were make it an amazing place to work, grow the business and, and, you know, make it really successful in the, in the world. So, and the fact that those two things completely reinforce each other. And I always say to folks, it's so much easier to be a leader or an HR leader in a company where the energy is good. It's, you know, it's easier to make decisions and that happens more quickly. It, uh, information flows upstream much more quickly, which is what you want. And a huge problem when it doesn't happen, why wouldn't information flow upstream to the leadership team? Well, fear, of course, Fear that you can't say things that people don't want to hear. Inability to hear bad news without consequences to the bearer of the, the bad tidings, which is, you know, it's, it's so mythic as an idea of how not to run things that, you know, there are undoubtedly stories and poems and films. It's a very well-known trope, like don't shoot the messenger, but that is exactly what happens because in part, not completely, but in part, because of the existence of this thing I mentioned before, employment at will. So, you know, that's a pretty big thing in the United States. And we should talk about it more than we do. We should talk about the fact that you still have to go and interview three, four times. Um, now that jobs are no more secure than, you know, almost like working for some sort of big universal temp agency that almost all of us work for now because you don't know how long an assignment is going to last and there's no particular wind up or apology or acknowledgement of that when it does go away. Even though we are asked and required to bring everything we've got emotionally and intellectually and creatively and, and energy wise and we pine over and we sleep and we lose sleep over the job and how is it going? Not just even the fear part. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to put my job at risk, but even the wonderful plugged in part of bringing what we have and to contribute and, and supporting the team. And you still could be told, well, it's just, it's over. They just aren't going to fund this effort, this division anymore. And that is just it. And then all of that emotional input, all of that, that's not going to be reciprocated in any way. It's a hard stop. And it's like, oh, I kind of was like a number on a spreadsheet. I didn't want to imagine that it could be true. We have to talk about this and the wrong 
that that is that comes out of it and the and the what's possible in terms of writing that just talking about it and 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 reworking the relationship between employees and the companies they work for and being honest about the problems that we know go on in the working world but i'm telling you if you if your inbox was like mine all kinds of business conferences and you know business trainings and you know uh webinars free webinars it is all still there's stuff about covid19 and how to be safe which is wonderful um and and welcome but it's no nothing not a thing about wait a minute is this has this whole thing gone too far when we companies lay off 25 million people in a you know in a downturn you know yeah the government absolutely should be in the middle of that it's it's shocking and shameful that we didn't have a smarter response to to to, to subsidize employers to keep people on the payroll for some period of time, like like more civilized nations did, keep the economy going and and you know not do it through unemployment compensation, but do it by keeping people in the job. You know why would you put them out of work and then say we're going to beef up unemployment? What does that do? It lets the company shed you know the the headache, I guess, of having people on their payroll. Well, yeah, I wonder if there was any cost to that. And it's basically, look, we know now because of COVID-19, everybody has to be healthy. Every single person's healthcare is incredibly important to all of us, right? If we should have to say that, but we absolutely have to say that because it's, we see through mask wearing and not wearing, this is not a universally shared understanding. Even with, now we say, uh, yeah, there's no question COVID-19 is, you know, airborne. So, yeah, the mask thing would be more important than, you know, even we thought. Nah, I'm not doing that. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So, yeah, just remember chain letters. Don't break the chain. Yeah, just break the chain, you know, just trample on it. It's okay. If somebody suffers, you know, I, 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 it won't be me. I won't see them probably. So, so yeah, I don't know how much faith we can have in, you know, people looking out for one another, but we have to get to the point where it's completely understood that everybody's health is incredibly important. And if that's true, then work and the health of work and the health of workplaces is likewise public health. It's not different. Why do we just build it in while a lot of people surveys say 60 to 80 percent of people are not going to like their job and there's going to be harassment and there's going to be abuse and discrimination and you know what this employment at will thing and the fear of getting fired by speaking up is pretty much going to nip all that in the bud you know you're just not you employers going to have to deal with a ton of it because there is so much fear you go out and protest at a black lives matter protest with other righteous people and you run a risk of getting uh, pepper sprayed or shot or thrown into a van. It's, you know, a, a risk and it's scary. Um, and you knowingly take that risk because of something you believe in. But you shouldn't have to go to work and take a risk with your health and your mental health and, and your physical health and your emotional health because you need to live and you need to get a paycheck, which every single person does. I think that we 
are in a place in time. We just have to look at the whole structure. We have to look at the frame, the relationship between working people and their employers, the relationship between companies and the government, which is the people. So we've been told that is completely screwed up. Um, not just lobbying, which is of course a huge factor, but also the just awareness and discussion around uh, labor laws. And, and, and I'm thrilled to see in this COVID-19 crisis, freelancers, independent consultants getting unemployment compensation. So I understand it for the first time. They should have always been eligible for that. It, somehow uh, working people deserve to be compensated when their employer lets them go, lays them off. But when the market does that, multiple potential clients who cancel or there's a downturn, something happens in a consulting business or a freelance business that you're spending every waking hour and every brain cell on, then somehow the government has nothing to do with you. Although you pay taxes, this, this is, you know, we're shifting our view and the time has come. It's past time, but, but this crisis is calling things into a, a sharper relief now that we can look at them and what's broken, getting health care from your employer in the United States. It makes no sense. It has never, it has not made sense. The employers did that because they wanted a cool, funky benefit to give their employees as a recruiting device when it didn't cost thousands of dollars to have decent health care. You should not get your health care based on whether you work for company A or company B. And, and, and the fact that healthcare is a massive for-profit industry in the United States, causing people to deal with chronic illness and pain and, and to die, it's, a, it's obscene and that has to stop. We have to be smarter and get altitude on these huge systemic issues. But in terms of uh, your relationship with your actual boss, it's a critical relationship and we don't talk about it enough. And I think when we do talk about it, we tend to simplify and almost infantilize it, ducky horsey style. I have a nice boss. I have a good boss. I had a bad boss. Now I have a good boss. It's a complex relationship that changes with, the, with time, with uh, our flame growing or shrinking, their flame growing or shrinking, what's happening in the outside world, relationships with other people who work there, your goals, their goals, your style, their style pressure from on top or wherever there are about a hundred influences on that important relationship between you and the person you work for and vice versa that could benefit from all kinds of reflection and conversation that we typically don't don't devote now sometimes when we have a really good friend um we can talk with them about the day-to-day -day with a boss and say, well, this happened today, and we had this conversation. I thought we were going to talk about that, but we didn't. Then we did this. And they can start to be a great sounding board because they're hearing the day-to-day, -day, which is where you build up, right, your, your view, your perspective on who is this person I'm working for. Not that, you know, we're trying to be snoopy or psychoanalyze your boss. It is a business relationship. But let's be honest. When you have one boss, and it's such a fundamental business and social relationship, because it's absolutely social, obviously. It is social as much as it's business. We can pretend otherwise. But it, the social resonance or lack of resonance between you and your boss that, 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 you know, where the waves are hitting or reinforcing one another, that's very, very important. And, um, you know, influences your, your success in the job, your 
confidence in yourself, you know, your good feeling or lack of good feeling about the job, it's critical. And I, and I want to give you just a way to think about that relationship with your boss. Because I posted something on Twitter about last night uh, about what your boss thinks about you and your performance review is, you know, it has its place in the world. We're going to try to take feedback where we can, but it's not the be all and end all. We are not children in school. We're an A from the teacher or B from the teacher, you know, it was a really big deal. And, and, and there's not going to be another report card for a long time. And wow, I really want to feel like I'm progressing. I'm a big fourth grader now. And you know, we remember that pressure and it's not healthy pressure. It's not a reinforcing kind of thing for a kid. It's a bad system. They should get rid of it. It's, it's, there's so much wrong with it. Um, but we certainly don't need that now as grownups, as adults. Uh, yeah, you got a needs improvement on this one thing. It's absurd. We know that. It's not how people learn. It's not how they get better. It's not, there's nothing about it that is nurturing and wholesome or, you know, it's a very old, creepy, creaky part of this system of broken system of work that is so hierarchical and rule bound and supposedly analytical and database, but I have my doubts, right? But, but uh, yeah, that's not a good way to help anybody, you know, get, get better at anything. And you know, you, you sit there and I mean, you take what you can from it, of course, but don't judge yourself based on what your boss thinks about you. That is not the best metric of your success in a job or your growth in a job. We have to be honest about the fact that when the waves collide at weird angles, yours and theirs, your energetic waves or, you know, your, whatever you're putting out and theirs, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mismatch. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It also doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. And I know the horrible boss thing is a, is a trope. It's a stereotype. It's an archetype. I'm all about it. I, you know, heard more b terrible boss stories than most, but, um, and I'm, I mean, we have to do the release and the, and the venting and process this stuff when bad things happen at work. And there are so many bad bosses. And we also eventually for our own self-preservation have to rise above my boss is a jerk. I got another jerk boss and see the system, see how it all works. Go backstage and see the rigging and see how Peter Pan flies in on the harness. It's, it's, it's a system that encourages people to be bad bosses. It rewards being a bad boss because it's based on fear and instilling fear. And that boss has had fear instilled in them. That's all you're seeing when you see this jerk boss thing. Yes, there are horrible ass people and predators in the working world. Sadly, I have met and fired a number of them. But, you know, you could make the argument they're just in deeper fear, you know, untreated and undealt with fear than most. But certainly the vast majority of bad boss stuff that I've seen um, not an exaggeration to say hundreds of incidents of it. It comes down to fear and it comes down to a system that does not get discussed the way it needs to be discussed. Let's talk about how individual conversations and rules and memos and evaluation systems crush the creativity and productivity and enthusiasm and energy and ability to be on a team and 
ability to, to innovate, they crush it out of people like squashing on a tomato on the sidewalk and just destroy it. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's bad for business, you guys. So just from that standpoint, inhuman work practices and mindset are bad for business. But the reason that doesn't show up and doesn't have the effect on corporate cultures and leadership that it should uh, 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 that clear reality is because the time frames on which companies are judged are so short. That's what it is. An individual CEO just needs to make their gazillion bucks and get out. That could happen in two and a half years. So why would they, you know, like, I don't care about these employees. I just have to get to a finish line and it's just not that far away. It's like three laps on the high school track. I can do that. I can squeeze. I feel like I can squeeze, you know, that's 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 a big 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 problem in the United States and abroad elsewhere uh, but this employment at will thing is my special passion because I just feel like if people understood more people understood yeah what if you had a job where they literally said we're going to Dave and Buster's and the people were cool and it's like and and they bought dinner for everybody and drinks the guy is chill but you could be fired at any moment yeah there doesn't even need to be a reason People in the EU, people around the world say, wait, run that last bit by me. You go to work without, you literally, they could just say, we're done. That's, how do you, how do you care? Like what? It's not normal, you guys. It's not how things work. You're working through a fog of fear that does not need to be there. It's just a business expense. Literally, we're talking about dollars and cents with employment at will. If there were no employment at will and there were a universal contract that all working people in the United States had just automatically, like, you know, put a restriction on it, you know, it has to be, job has to be at least whatever number of hours a week, whatever, whatever, but, but very few, and basically this is the contract, like other civilized countries, more civilized than what, where we sit right now. And it says, yeah, we're hiring you for the first three months. If we let you go one day, we just decide to, we're giving you a week's pay. Thank you for playing. You know, after that, you go into another thing where we say to you, we're just done. We're not writing you up. We're just, thanks. Yeah, bye. Um, we owe you two weeks of pay until you're in the company a year, whatever it is. And then after that, you're just on a either renewable or just a rolling contract year that isn't really a topic, doesn't need to be a topic unless, you know, they want to not re-up with you or you want to not re-up with them. Because it says, if we should let you go through no fault of your own, you get a check for three months pay. And what that would mean for people in terms of just speaking their truth. Now, I am well aware, of course, that people not speaking their truth is not just financial because I noticed that and, and actually obsessed about that in myself. As a corporate HR leader, I said, okay, heart's pounding. Right now, I have some truth to speak and it's yuck. It's like, why? Why me? I have to do this. It's scary. If I got fired, yes. Yes, I could get by until I got something else and I'm still afraid. So it's not just financial. Of course, it's not financial. The fear is baked into it's, it's a lot financial, but it's baked into the 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 whole structure is that saving face and looking good and, you know, 
not upsetting the energy and not taking that kind of risk is of course it's a social side of work it's it's scary and it's yucky and it has to be encouraged all the time or people won't do it but of course what greater discouragement could there be from speaking truth than to say by the way you know the law allows us to tell you to hit the bricks should we not like whatever comes out of your mouth well who's gonna you're 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 artificially stomping out truth telling by keeping that threat out there all the time it's so dumb but yeah let's move on had a question um Instead of asking, what's your greatest weakness as an interview question, Liz, what do you think about, tell me about the skills that you're working to improve. It's no better. That's my answer. It's no better. You're coming from the same wrong place. I appreciate you're trying to come up with a better alternative, a less fear-based question to ask than what's your greatest weakness. I mean, talk about a fear-based question. What's your greatest weakness? Let's break it down. Why? First of all, do people have weaknesses coming down from heaven or the stars or wherever? Why would they have weakness? What even is a weakness? Well, a weakness is something you don't do well. Okay, but wait. There's literally an infinity of things I don't do well, and same for every human being. What? You want me to list everything I don't do well? I don't do metallurgy. I don't know anything. I don't, you know, play high lie. There's just so many things. I could keep your hair all night. No, come on, don't be dense. It's not just something you don't do well. It's something you don't do well that you wish you did better, that you feel you need to get better at. Which raises the question, for whom? In front of whom do I need to get better? Who's judging me? And why are they judging me? In the world? There's standards just in the world that you should be able to do this better or do that better? That's really weird. Are we still in school? And where's this like mythical yardstick by which I'm being judged? Or are you saying... Have you, been, have you been ground down by our unhealthy system enough that you, like me, believe there are yardsticks in the sky that you should meet? You're just always failing because you're so bad and you're not working hard enough? Are you? Do you have the same kind of brainwashing problem I do? Because that's really my club that I'm inviting you into or hoping that you, uh, your application is successful, trying to get into my club. People so, so based in fear and low self-esteem that they feel like I must be I must be screwing up somehow. I must be remiss somehow. I have weaknesses, right? I must have weaknesses because I, I've been taught my whole life that I can't be whole and perfect at any moment. No, 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 that would be terrible. What would happen if I just started to believe I came down from heaven or the stars perfectly equipped and in great shape to carry out my mission here on earth? I'm excited to do it every day. I'm learning, right? I'm just, I'm just open to everything that comes in and i'm trying to you know experiment and explore and make a contribution no 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 you must be beaten down you must believe fully in your heart that you have weaknesses and not only must you have weaknesses that you don't do as well as you should by the standards of the international court of fear-based people but you must also tell me what those things are that you should do better because your ability to grovel, to kneel and prostrate yourself before my throne is a critical piece of the decision whether or not I can hire you because that's how fearful I am. 